ready for the interview And if you get a cue live on a laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo, let's have a combo Say what you feel, be real That's the motto Real talk pronto Dr. DPHD, hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals All right, all right. I had to get that. I stopped it and I started it. You know what? It makes for <laughs> yeah. a different flavor when you start it out. Right. Just something different. How exactly. are you doing, man? Oh, I am fabulous. I am doing super good. Awesome. Well, I remember you reaching out to me. I think it was on LinkedIn, David. And mm-hmm. your story sounds pretty amazing. And uh, I think we got to jump right into it. Uh, you seem like you do a lot of different things. I love myself. When I, in fitness, health, wellness, psychology, where's this whole mixture of amazingness start for you? Uh, ironically, it actually started with swimming. Okay. Interestingly enough. So um, basically, I was when I was a kid, I was a swimmer. I was a competitive swimmer because my parents had tried to put me in different sports. And they wanted to, they just wanted me to experience sport or some kind of extracurricular activity. So we tried everything you know, that was, that was all the kids that were doing. So we did soccer, uh, basketball. I think we tried baseball or T-ball as well because I was too young to uh, do proper baseball. Basically every sport on the list, and I just hated them all. And, and, and I just was really struggling to, to even have fun. So in the end, at the time, my mom was doing aerobics classes, like classic good old-fashioned yeah. aerobics, you know, <laughs> and, and, and go to the rec center. So she would actually take me with her to the rec center uh, when she would do her classes. And while she was doing the class, I would go and swim at the pool for like an hour and a half or so. And then when it came to the point where my parents were like, okay, you got to choose something here because you've tried all these sports and you hate them all. And we don't know what you want. So I was like, well, you know, I've been going swimming since I was three. Maybe I should join the swim team. And it was great because it was not a team sport. It was, you know, individual. So I don't have to worry about, you know, other people and depending on them and, you know, if I got too annoyed with somebody, I just, you know, put my head in the water and start swimming. And that actually was the trick. So I started swimming then. But uh, I, when I was 14 years old, I quit swimming. And part of that was due to experiences of homophobic discrimination because I was, a, I, was a, I was, I came out when I was very young, but it was all like, even before I came out, people like were, you know, kids can be very attentive about these kinds of yeah. things. And so they were, you know, making comments and stuff like that. And just, made it too much of a toxic atmosphere for me. So I quit swimming and I uh, went and joined the marching band for high school. But then around 20 years old, after I graduated high school, I just, you know, life was, life was not good for me. I was in a low point mental health wise, physical health wise, everything was just not very good. I didn't have any friends. And I decided, you know, I really want to, I really want to go back to swimming. I really want to compete again and, and get back into competition. So I was looking around and I said, well, I want to join a swim team again, but I want to join an LGBT swim team where I can meet new friends and, and get involved in the community, things like that. And so I just Googled gay swim team in the state I was in, the my hometown, Colorado, Denver, Colorado. So I just Googled it, found found a gay swim team there. And next thing you know, I'm going to practice and, and starting, you know, I'm, I'm getting involved with the team again. And I found myself, you know, very motivated, very excited. I found a whole group of friends that just welcomed me in really quickly and, you know, became part of the team very quick. And then they started introducing me to, you know, different competitions and, and swimming events. 
not just locally in, in Colorado, but across the country, because there's a lot of LGBT swimming organizations and clubs all around the country, and now actually around the world that I learned. So they were attending these events, and, and that just had a major impression on me, up to the point where my first major swimming event was the 2010 Gay Games, which was held in Cologne, Germany. And the Gay Games is this large international multi-sport quadrennial event that takes place every four years. It's one of the largest in the world. And it's opening ceremonies, sports, cultural events, parties, the whole shebang. And that was such a profound experience for me in attending that, just to realize, oh, wow, I am part of something way bigger than myself. And I'm just, you know, I, I can't believe I'm part of this community. And I can't believe I'm having this level of an experience, you know, just two years after I started swimming again. So that had such a big impact for me that it ultimately put me down this road to all the stuff that I'm doing today in fitness, sports, psychology, science, everything. Because I, after having that experience, I, I thought, you know, how am I going to help other people have this experience? This had such a positive impact on my life and literally affected the trajectory of my life. And I wanted other people to have, have that kind of experience. You know, it was so life-changing. It was so positive for me and completely a uh, completely different experience than I had just a few years prior when I was at a low point. So it was a really amazing, amazing thing. And that's ultimately what put me down this path. Uh, that's pretty powerful. I actually had no clue that uh, that there was a gay games. I had no clue about that. I mean, it seems like a very powerful, incredible event uh, that, that goes it, on regularly. It is. And it's interesting um, when we scheduled for this uh, podcast, the, the most recent gay games was actually last week. And I'm actually oh. wearing the t-shirt for it right now, which obviously podcasts listeners cannot see, but um, yeah. I'm wearing the t-shirt. I, I attended it last week and, and, you know, and, uh, there's so much we could talk about on all fronts, but I will tell you that the gay games last week, which was a very different gay games for me, especially compared to my first one, but it has been the most transformative gay games of my life. And it was oh. probably one of the most powerful gay games to have taken place in my, in, in the ones that I've, in the ones that I've been able to attend. Cause I, this is, this was my fourth gay games and it's, it's an amazing, it's a very powerful event. Like you said. So what made it uh, different from the first time to this time that was more powerful? So the first time I attended purely as an athlete and, you know, I'd only gone back into the swimming community, the LGBT swimming community, especially for, for a couple of years. So I was still, I was, a, we call it, I was a gay baby, right? You know, I was a little oh, gay okay. baby. So <laughs> you know, just kind of away and not experienced at all. And, you know, just kind of learning everything, you know, you're seeing everything for the first time. And it was like, Ooh, and it's been, it's, it was, it was 13 years since then. So I said it was a quadrennial event, so the Gay Games was supposed to take place last year, but they had postponed it for the pandemic. Right. And so they finally were able to host it. But, you know, it's been 13 years since that first Gay Games, so obviously a lot has changed in my life. You know, I went to grad school. I actually moved out of the USA. I live in, in Cologne, Germany now, where the original right. one was hosted. And, you know, I, I did my master's degree. I'm doing the sports psychology stuff. And so when I went into this Gay Games, actually, I was really on not going and this was going to be the first gay games I was not going to attend. But I, a few years ago, got involved with this organization called the Pride Cheerleading Association. And what the Pride Cheerleading Association is, it's this organization of cheerleaders, adult cheerleaders who are LGBT inclusive that you utilize cheerleading as a platform to raise money for charity. And the funny thing about that is I am not a cheerleader. <laughs> and I, I, it's going to happen probably in the next decade or so when I move back to the U.S. 
I will become a cheerleader because they, if they have anything to say about it, it's going to happen. But I actually got involved with them from a sports psychology standpoint. And I'd already been connected with them from some of my other work with the, with the Compete Sports Diversity, which is a magazine, an LGBT sports magazine that I work for, that I write for. But in this context, I got connected with them through sports psychology because I was looking, I just finished my master's degree in sports psychology and, you know, fresh, it was right in the middle of the pandemic. So there was really, literally nothing going on and it was really hard to, to do anything. So when I got involved with them, it was to, you know, say, hey, is there a way that maybe I can work with you and help me get some experience in sports psychology? You know, maybe utilize my, I utilize my amateur filmmaking hobby as well because I had a fancy video camera. And they said, you know, they invited me to to this event that I was visiting the U.S. for, and I just happened to be attached to this event called the Sin City Classic. It's the annual LGBT multi-sport event that they okay. participated in. And I was, I was going to swim at this event, but the swimming got canceled. And so I was there and I was saying, oh, I'm going to be in Las Vegas for this event, but I have nothing to do. Right. And so the Pride Children Association said, hey, come and, come and hang out with us, right? And, and you can bring your camera, you can do anything, you can follow us around, film everything. And I did. So that's how I got involved. So when it came time for this gay game, long story short, when it came time for this gay game, you know, they contacted me and said, hey, we are very excited for you to join us at gay games. And I said, I would love to, but I can't afford it because I'm a starving PhD student. And as you know, we don't make a lot of money when you're right. a graduate student. So they were like, well, you're coming with us anyway. And I'm like, mm, okay, well, how's this going to happen? They said, well, start a GoFundMe. We're going to pass around our bucket. We're going to raise some money for you. We're going to hook you up with a hotel room, make sure everything happens. You are coming to gay games to hang out with us. And I, and, and it, it happened. It actually all came together like a month ago and I, I made it. And when I was there, my original primary role was to be with them as a videographer to do the same thing that I've been doing with them for, for a while now. But I also signed up for the swimming competition because, you know, I figured, well, I'm there with, do some swimming, maybe earn right. a medal or two if I get lucky. And then also working with them on a sports psychology capacity, which in the past has been kind of low, low level priority because, you know, these, these athletes are very good at what they do. You know, yeah. they, they don't really have a lot of issues in regard to like performance anxiety or confidence or things like that, because you have to develop those mental skills during cheerleading training to be able to perform competently. What happened was, and you were the first, person on a public level that I'm actually able to talk about this this story with was so in the in the gay games there's opening ceremonies and the cheerleaders they do a, a, a whole week long of events so they do they get this cheer bus where they ride, ride ride around on a bus and attend these different sports and they do cheerleading routines raise money for charity and they also plan a cheerleading competition later on in the week well during one of the opening during the opening ceremonies we're doing their their routine performance and one of the athletes suffered an injury mm. and it was a very bad injury it was one of those like once in a decade level right. bad injuries and and it was it was it was very scary what happened i was there I, I witnessed the whole thing and the they were able to to get help for the athlete immediately right so they had paramedics right on site they immediately took care of her got her to the hospital taking care of her as a sports psychology practitioner myself, I suddenly found myself with 120 cheerleaders that were suffering from emotional shock and and trauma from witnessing what just witnessing, happened to yeah. one of their teammates. And everybody was scared and 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 you know just shook up about the whole thing because 
you know, this is something that you, you don't want to have happen ever. Unfortunately, it is a risk of the sport, but it doesn't have to happen. So I was able to, in a unique position, to step up and offer my my competencies and, and capabilities as a sports psychology professional to help these cheerleaders suddenly navigate through this very intense emotional process. And so for the next week or so during those day games, I was working, doing one-on-one sessions, working with the groups and the teams, the organization as a whole, to help them navigate these emotions and to help them find a mindset again where they could still proceed through the week and do their events and create positive memories from their experience at the gay games. Fortunately, we got some very good news that the athlete who was injured, she is okay and she's recovering. On my front, uh, we had a lot of very positive results from these cheerleaders that you know had a, 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 were impacted emotionally by this. They were showing a lot of positive signs of improvement you know, we were able to find a rhythm again and a good mindset. And ultimately, everybody was able to finish out the week on a very high note, very positive. Everybody was, by the end of it, having fun. We were all very happy about, you know, the injured athlete being able to recover, things like that. So for me, on that front, it showed me a lot more about the power of the gay games and events like this mm. from this unique perspective that I, I never had had before because, you know, I just started my career a few years ago in sports psychology. And so this was my first real major test of my competency as a professional in this regard. And I, it just, it was such a transformative experience for me in so many ways, just like the one that I had at the first gay games. But in this, in this circumstance, coming from a different place of wisdom and experience to help back me up that I was able to have a positive impact on, on others within the community that I work with. Yeah. Oh, it, it sounds like um, you're just following a path that's very true to yourself and you're, you're reaching for um, a level of excellence in all these different areas. That's very admirable. And uh, I'm curious though, like how, you know, your workers perceived and in that and the larger strength and conditioning community in different areas, have you run up against any resistance, things of that nature? Uh, I would love to hear about that. So I think it's important to get those stories out so that we understand where things are at, you know. Exactly. And strength and conditioning has been a very challenging field for me to break into because, as you as you know, it's a very masculine environment, a very hyper-masculine. And it's also steeped in a lot of, you know, this is how we've always done it and, and mm. these kind of traditional yep. behaviors that tend to, to, to you know, persist despite even, even research saying maybe right. we should try it this way instead. So. A lot of it, too, became from when I finished my bachelor's degree in 2013. I finished it in sports and exercise science. At the time, I still wasn't quite sure career-wise what direction I wanted to go, but I knew I wanted to work in sport and especially do, you know, strength and conditioning type training with athletes, right? You know, not just necessarily general population, but yeah. for different types of sports because my philosophy is rooted in performance and capability rather than aesthetics and you know, weight loss right. and stuff like that. Unfortunately, you know, I did not do an internship with a sports team. I did an internship in a different direction. And old, and, and that first few years of my career were rooted in more population fitness. And I really wanted to work with the LGBT community. And I learned very quickly, a lot of people in that community, they're more focused on that aesthetics, right? Mm. So they want lose weight, get toned. I want to, you know, put so much inches on my muscles and look a certain way and just for me, that just, that wasn't, that wasn't, you know, my thing. So I would, I was trying to break in and I got my CSDS 
trying to break into a greater field of sports. I even did a few internships with some very high level strength and conditioning organizations. And then I found that toxic environment that sometimes mm. pervades. And it's not, it's not the overtly, you know, oh, we don't like the gays type thing. It was more subtle homophobic microaggressions and, and little mm. things here and there that kind of, you don't really pick up on unless you're, unless you're, you know, the person that is affected by it. Right. And it's just those things that you start to notice people saying and people doing that ultimately start to create that environment where you realize, I don't really feel welcome here. And this is not necessarily a place that I could be myself or be safe in this regard. So there was a few different uh, internships and strength conditioning that I experienced with that, but also with a few different sports teams that I had gone on to coach. And uh, there was one time I actually got fired from a sports team after dealing with a parent who, who had confronted me in a way that was making some homophobic remarks mm. and, and implications towards me that, you know, I stood up for myself at the time. And, but in the end, you know, he went and, and complained to the great, to the, to the powers that be, they ultimately, they, nobody even asked me my side of the story. Nobody right. asked me anything. It was a very one-sided kind of issue. And then, you know, before you know it, I'm out of a job. So, you know, which was very frustrating. And that's ultimately what led me down this path of, of graduate school, because, you know, I was, it was very easy, you know, and, and it's easy to kind of, especially in the U.S., you got these like fire at will laws and things yeah, like that, where they right. can just let you go, but they don't have to tell you why. So, and they know, don't tell you why, if it's something that you can sue them for, like discrimination. Sure. Right, right. But they, they just tell you whatever. And then, and then you're gone and you can't do anything about it. And so, you know, at that point I realized, okay, well, to be competitive in this market, just in general, because I was applying for a lot of these jobs. And I met the, the the minimum qualifications, but, you know, they had these preferred qualifications, like we want a master's degree, we want right. this, we want that, which I didn't meet. So, you know, a thousand applications going in, and of course, I'm not going to stand out. So that made that a, a, a struggle. So that's when I decided, okay, I need to stand out. And I, I really need to push myself up higher to be able to to challenge myself so I do stand out. And that's what put me down the road for grad school. Right. And, you know, I, I looked at it and I said, okay, well, what kind of program do I want to do in grad school? I'm already pretty, pretty familiar with the basic, you know, concepts of exercise science, sports science, kinesiology, things like that, which, you know, will obviously improve more in that regard. But I was thinking about my, my actions as a coach. Yep. And I thought, you know, one of the struggles that I had working with my, uh, uh, my clients in personal training were, okay, I can help this athlete physically, but a lot of their issues that they, that they faced were mental. So a lot of these mental barriers and, and, and things that I was just frankly not equipped to deal with. And that's why I went down the sports psychology route to say, okay, as a coach, I want to be able to coach my athletes on the physical conditioning, but also on the mental conditioning so that, you know, I know that physically they're capable of doing this, but if it's something like anxiety, that's, blocking them from doing it I want to be able to help them out in that regard as well and so you know I applied for different programs around around the world because at the time I also really wanted to live abroad I'd never lived abroad before and yeah thought this was a great opportunity to to try and, and experience life in a new country so I applied for uh, all sorts of programs and I got into my first choice which was at the German Sports University here in Cologne Germany got into the master's degree there and I said, you know, I always told myself and told others in, in my bachelor's who asked me if I was going to go to grad school, I said, if I'm going to go to grad school, I'm going to go all the way. So master's and PhD. And that was always my plan coming here from the beginning. Uh, and then when I came here, you know, I started doing the master's program. 
And I, I came into the master program thinking, okay, you know, my thesis is going to be about this and I'm going to do this. And it was on LGBT discrimination and the psychological effects. But then as I pursued through the master's degree, I was like, oh, wow, this is a really cool topic. And that's a really cool topic. And this is new. And I'm, I've never done this before. So I started to let myself be open to more, more things and ultimately ended up going a completely different direction in my research for my, my master thesis. And then did the same thing again now for my PhD. So yeah. people are like, well, wait a minute, your research is kind of all over the place. I'm like, that's kind of the point because I know researchers that hyper-specialize in some of these things. I don't, you know, there's so much to learn that I want to, I want to experience it all. And even during this process, even during grad school, I still experienced a lot of this discrimination. So even mm. going, cause this is, this is the largest university dedicated to sports science in all of Europe. And it's still sports. It's still that same institution. Even right. in one of the most progressive cities in Germany, you still have these same, you know, things that still persist. So, you know, I've, I've dealt with some discrimination here at the university as well. And it's been, a struggle to overcome a lot of this one of the saving graces like i said that helped me to kind of find that platform and launch me now a little higher than than where i have been before were a lot of the lgbt sport organizations so there's an lgbt sports club here in cologne called estiana yeah. during the pandemic you know i needed i was very again kind of hit a low point during the pandemic you know just like i think everybody did yeah. But, um, you know, I really needed some some support and just some something to do. So I see Anna said, hey, we know you got a coaching background. Come coach some some fitness classes for us because they were doing this like virtual fitness thing. And they said, here, you know, you can come and coach some fitness classes for us. I got involved with them, the Pride Cheerleading Association. They got involved, things like that. So that's where I started to finally start to get some of this more strength and conditioning level experience. Yeah. And then, you know, it was it was a lot of this it was still kind of a struggle because, you know, if I put on my, I put on my LinkedIn or on my CV, you know, okay, where's your experience from? Okay. Well, it's with this club. Okay. Tell us about that club. And it's, you know, it's kind of hard to hide it. Right. You know, you can't yeah. just put on the CV. Oh, it's just a random sports club. And there's no gays at all, you know, <laughs> right. You know, but I'm also, I'm also the type where I'm not going to hide who I am. That's right. Because I've, I've never succeeded in that regard. And, and why should I hide who I am? Because that's a crucial part to, to my coaching philosophy and 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 just in general my my personality yeah and my identity you know it's not my whole identity but i can't exactly just i'm not a i can't and b i'm not going to try and shove it back in the closet and so it was a, one of those things where now i was getting to a point in my career that i was able to kind of stand out a little more and you know in this industry like like most industries, it seems like it's about who you know, right? It's about of what course. you know. It's yeah. who you know. And and I have I, I call her my lesbian counterpart. So she's basically the lesbian version of myself. Because we have the same career goals, roughly the same career trajectory. The difference being that she's actually German, so she's a little more well connected with the German community here. But she she and I were really good friends and she's been very important and crucial toward helping me get some of these new roles with some of these sports clubs and some of the things that I've been doing is okay. You know, I get invited last year. I got invited to coach for uh, my first ever professional level soccer club. And, you know, soccer is, you know, a big thing here in Germany. So just any level of professional is good. And it was recommended by my lesbian counterpart. 
And when I talked to the coach and talked about, okay, well, what, what are the job, you know, just a basic kind of interview type thing. It was not a very well-paying job. It yeah. was in fact, laughably low. I mean, if, if, if we had, if I had put in the number of hours that he wanted me to put in versus the amount that they were paying me, it would have been under minimum wage. Yeah. So we had to have a little negotiation because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to reject this because this is literally the first offer in this regard I've ever gotten. But you know, it's, you have to value yourself, right? So I, I sat back and I looked at it and I said, okay, you know, let's have a little chat. Okay, here's here's what I can commit to in terms of hours and and time and, and what I can offer for the club. But I also looked at it as, what can I get out of this experience that's more than just money? Because I am I obviously wasn't going to be doing that for the money. It was a, little, a nice little help, but for sure, obviously, I wasn't going to be, you know, paying my rent on that. But I thought, okay, this is an important job for me because these are the kinds of things I need to have on my CV straight right. up strength and conditioning coach for this club. This is exactly what it is. Sports psychology consultant for this club, you know, put that on there. So I looked at that as here's a great opportunity for me to, to get some practical experience to really learn, try out a lot of these skills and concepts that I've been, you know, learning about and developing on my own. So now I actually have a team of athletes that I can work with this on and develop that up. And I actually ended up having this conversation again with the, with the coach of the soccer club, because I said, well, is this going to be an issue that I'm openly gay? Yeah. And one of the important things about that was, okay, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not going to hide who I am. I'm not going to go out there and be like, Hey y'all, I'm gay. <laughs> right. You know, but, right. <laughs> you know, but if I'm wearing like a gay game shirt sure. or something like that, or, you know, sometimes actually I've also found in my, in my own coaching philosophy Sometimes if you throw some like kind of gay mannerisms, gay stereotypes out there, it's actually really hilarious, <laughs> especially when you're working with straight athletes. You know, right. They don't always catch on that. Yeah. You know, I've got, I've got, you know, the classic uh, like rainbow fan <laughs> here, you know, and stuff like that. So if you, if you kind of deploy that once in a while, oh, they're okay. not expecting it. It's, Interesting. it's a whole, it's, it's so freaking hilarious. I feel like I know your lesbian counterpart, by the way. I feel like I know who this person is. Yeah. Cause I know a strength and conditioning coach from Germany who works heavily in that field and she's been on my podcast. I don't, I don't want to say her name. She doesn't want that, but I feel like I know who this person is. <laughs> yeah. We, and, and I would not be surprised if it was the same person. Mm-hmm. In fact, yeah. I mean, you know, there's probably a mutual connection on LinkedIn somewhere Oh yeah, with that regard, but uh, you know, but yeah, it's like, you know, to be able to kind of express this aspect of my personality, because that's where I've been able to, to g- gather attention for my athletes yeah. and, and create buy-in. Because that's ultimately what you need to do as a coach, regardless of who you are, regardless of where you're working, is your athletes need to buy into what you're selling as a coach. So if I want them to do sprints or if I want them to work on deceleration mechanics or, you know, plyos or something like that, they need to be able to buy into what I'm telling them so that they can find the relevance of it and and put put forth their best efforts. So, you know, when I was having these conversations with the coach and saying, okay, is me being openly gay going to be an issue? The head coach himself, he's like, no, I don't care. Yeah. It's like, okay, but you know, there's like kind of a publicity thing where, you know, parents might have an issue because a lot of my experiences in discrimination have come from the parents. Right. You know, they don't they don't want little Timmy there being exposed to the gay agenda from their coach. And it's like, well, the gay agenda is go run some freaking <laughs> The you gay know? agenda? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like there's gonna be some osmosis uh, that occurs through this. I mean it's like ridiculous. Apparently, you know so stupid. Exactly, you know. Yeah, yeah I'm teaching I'm teaching, you know, little Timmy how to walk in heels on a soccer pitch. No, I mean, right. come on. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. you know, so I, I don't understand the mentality of those people sometimes, but 
you know, but I, I had to tell him, I was like, just so you know, you gotta have to be prepared. And for me, one, one of the most important things that I've learned is in that regard, because I said, okay, well, what if we have this experience come up? What if this happens? How are we going to handle this? And he's like, you know, he's, he, he, he had a very nice, he had a very good attitude about it for sure. He was like, we're going to go like public. We're going to put him on blast. We're going to do this. And I'm like, okay, great. But do we have the support of the club as a whole? Because the club as a whole might not like this. And if this happens, then I'm fired. You're fired. Yeah. Everybody's fired. It's like Oprah delivering, you know, yeah, everybody, you fired, get a car, you get a car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, you know, and so I'm like, if we're, if you want to do this, I am all for, cause I love putting people on blast, but you got to make sure that we got the backup for this. Otherwise it's going to go nowhere. Um, Ultimately, that actually never became a thing. Yeah. So, but it was it was it was interesting to have that conversation now, and and I've noticed that since then, especially getting back into this coaching, I've actually developed a lot more confidence as an openly gay sport professional, as a coach, especially to the point where last year, one of those strength and conditioning organizations that I felt the you know the 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 I, I felt like I was unsafe in, and and ultimately had quit this internship you know, only a few weeks into the internship because of, of how I felt in the, in the environment, I actually ended up having a very interesting resolution to that because mm. this particular organization made a post during Pride Month about how inclusive and diverse they are. And at this point, you know, probably being not necessarily confident, but a little more just cocky and reckless, <laughs> I responded to that and I said, well, I really hope you walk in the walk here because last time I was at your place, that was not exactly the case. And this was a very, very, I mean, this is a very highly respected, everybody probably knows who he is. I'm not going to say any names. Sure. Knows exactly who he is. A high level strength and conditioning coach that runs this organization. Mm-hmm. He was not the problem, of course. It was, it was the environment underneath sure. him that he yeah. probably himself wasn't aware of. But the, the man himself responded to my comment. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, no oh, crap. Okay, okay, yeah. here we go. You know, and he's like, He's like, all right, you know, we need to have a conversation about this. And so, you know, let's just set this up and figure this out. And I was like, oh, crap, I got an audience. Like, yeah. You know, I always say, I always say, I always tell my athletes, make a grand entrance and make a big finish. A grand entrance doesn't necessarily mean a good entrance. A grand entrance just means you're getting people's attention. Yeah. And this was a grand entrance because now suddenly I had the audience of one of the top level strength conditioning coaches in the whole field. And so we set up a Zoom meeting and, you know, I, I, I got, I'm not going to lie. I was very nervous, like the whole week leading up to the Zoom meeting, like, okay, okay, here we go. I know exactly what to say. And then we had the conversation, we started the Zoom meeting and the conversation started, he started, you know, on a level of, of, well, you know, I left your post up, but I was very disappointed and, and just hard to see this because, you know, I've got, you know, kids and clients that will see that and they're going to get a bad bad you know impression and blah 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 and i was like okay well let me tell you some stuff yeah and basically responded like exactly what happened i said well this was the environment that you in your institution was created this is how i felt you know here's all these different things that happened that made me feel like this that ultimately is the reason why i actually responded to the post in the first place because i'm not doing this for attention i'm not doing this for you know anything more than to make you aware and make you hope you to understand that hey it's not just about diversity it's not just about talking the talk it's about walking the walk so if you're going to talk the talk in my experience that's all it was so i want to make sure you're going to walk the walk 
And it was it was a very respectful, very professional back and forth. But I'm not going to lie. It was a very intense conversation because, yeah. you know, this is a person that, you know, you, everybody I know looks up to. I look up to him. I'm I'm still learning from him in every regard. I'm still very much inspired by him. But, you know, to kind of I had to go up to his level now and talk to him as an equal and basically say, this is what's going on. If, you know, I'm trying to do better. I know you're always trying to do better. So I'm telling you, here's how you can be. Here's how you can be better in something that I know I can help you be better in. And he was very receptive and he was very open to the, to the feedbacks and the comments that I make to the point that he said, okay, I understand what you're saying and we're going to, I'll figure it out and we'll, you know, make some changes or whatever into his place. We, we ended the meeting on very friendly, professional, amicable, you know, terms and everything like that. Not going to lie. I closed the meeting. I was like, I texted my lesbian counterpart. I said, I need a cigarette. I need to sit down for a minute. I need a cigarette because that was a tough. You know? Yeah, yeah. But it was it was such a great experience just to be able to realize I have this confidence now and that I can have those kind of conversations and not be afraid to stand up for myself, which for the longest time was a major struggle for me, which is, you know, unlike, unlike those previous experiences where maybe I would have left or quit or something like that i'm saying i'm not going anywhere yeah if anything we're gonna make this thing even gayer than ever (laughs) and that was a very that was a very good thing for me let me ask you something i'm curious what is um why is there still some level of homophobia in the sports community still with everything we know with the progressiveness i think that we're experiencing in society is it just old ideas mentality what is it that you your idea about this why is this persisting still on some level you know i've always said that sport is always roughly 20 years behind the rest of society when it comes to social issues mm. i think a lot of it is is just because Sport itself is rooted in conservative values. I mean, when you look at the history of sport development, especially in the U.S. and and in Western society, a lot of it's rooted in very conservative, very traditional type environments. I mean, you know, some of the very first sports organizations in the U.S. were from these, you know, super stuffy colleges, you know, on the East Coast that, you know, everything from there was built up through tradition, right? And so that's the foundation of it all. But it's also... It's only been in the last, like, maybe, I mean, sports science, especially, and sports psychology, it's still a relatively new field. Right. And so examining a lot of these things from a, from a scientific method perspective, from that objective perspective, is still relatively new. So a lot of what we know or what we do in regard to sport is still rooted in, well, we've always done it this way. Yeah. Just because, you know, they kind of just had to figure it out as they went along said, okay, you know, let's try this and let's try that. It was a lot of just kind of freak around and find out. Um, and so, you know, and it's still, a lot of it's still rooted in that context. I mean, even now you can look at some, I look at some of these like strength conditioning books and, and some of these methodologies and I'm like, why do you do it that way? <laughs> right. And I can never find, I can never find like a real, like, you know, proper answer right i mean there's you know it's just oh you know because you know we tried this and then we tried that and this is what worked better and okay but i feel like we could do it another way you know yeah and and, and people i mean and people in general like people are, are are there's openness to change yeah 
but the you know we know that the, the more people involved the, the longer it takes for change to occur yeah and so i think that's just in general made, made it made it more difficult and you know i would say that lgbt awareness and equality you know these kind of values that now we're starting to develop where you know lgbt rights and and just awareness and education and things like that this is still extremely new on this front you know i mean yeah. with same-sex marriage only being legalized or marriage equality i should say only being legalized in 2015 in the u.s you know the the the, the pivotal moment of the lgbt rights movement in the united states was the stonewall riots which was in 1969 and it's very it's been a, a little over 50 years a lot of the people that took part in that that event are still alive right you know so so it's still relatively it feels like it's been a long time but when you actually look at the the amount of time that's passed it's been not a long time at all and you know just in general it's just things are slow moving so you know with sports especially there's a lot of i think gender gender ideology that yeah still rooted in sports not necessarily like obviously you have i mean you have but that's a whole nother podcast episode so we won't touch that <laughs> some feminine sports so there's the and there's the girls sports right yeah you know for example i mean it, it's more acceptable in a sport like figure skating because it's you know kind of a stereotype area where a lot of gay men were able to do sports you know without without as much like bullying and harassment and fear of discrimination but but you know you look at top five professional sports in the u.s right soccer football hockey basketball baseball those are still pretty hyper masculine sports and you you only have a less less than five athletes that are currently playing in all those sports I and and it, it took it, it, and this that's a relatively recent thing that's only been in the last couple of years where they felt comfortable enough coming out as an active athlete without fear of you know again being fired you know a lot yeah. of these athletes would wait till the end of their career because oh if you million dollar contract fine well you're not going to get up just you want to you know hold your boyfriend's hand in public yeah so they would either wait till the end of their career like you know jason collins is very big you know he was the first openly mf nba basketball player. the first openly nba player to come but he so in the last year of his career so had he not gotten selected for a team uh, well got lots of money out of it so a lot of that has been is been kind of the norm for a long time, and it's just time and courage for people to kind of overcome, just be able to last long season, an openly gay athlete, and then you look at the lesbian women in sports. Well, lesbian women have been accepted in these masculine sports, right? Right. So like these, you know, organizations like the WNBA and for women there's there's a higher representation of lesbian but professional openly lesbian or synchronized swimmer who's more of a feminine in a feminine sport as an openly you know because they have the same issue there's still a lot of just homophobia and discrimination there in that part so a lot of it like i said is kind of rooted in these stereotypes and and gender norms in a lot of ways that just say okay well a masculine who you know fits the lesbian stereotype that yeah want to be a, a lady 
you go do figure skating or something like that. You know, no, it's okay. You want to be open to guess what? You know, if you want to, if you want to go play, then either you stay closet or you don't even bother. Yeah. And like I, it's slowly starting to change, but it's there's a way to go. Yeah, I remember when um Michael Sam was coming out for the NFL draft, and he played for Missouri in college, and he was the uh, defensive player of the year uh, at the SEC. Great player. But he came out before the draft. I firmly believe he dropped in the draft completely, almost out of it because of that. And I, yeah. I was so disappointed in that because I said, what does this have to do with anything? I was like, can the dude perform or not? <laughs> He's going to exactly. be good at this level or yeah. not. And, exactly. then you, and then when you saw, I think, uh, Carl Nassib, I think he came out during his playing career. He's a young guy. And I thought that was a real moment because it signified, like, this is a step. And with anything, I think there's always a step and another step. And, you know, progress is not linear. It's very slow. And, linear, and you're changing people's ideas of what has been socialized in their mind. I mean, it really is. Right. All these people, these parents... They've been socialized into this idea that little Timmy is going to go see David and something bad is going to happen because, oh, heaven forbid he's going to now become gay. It's just like, you know, they're just they've been programmed into this mindset. Yeah. And so breaking that programming is very difficult and it requires mm -hmm. a lot of time. And society turning over and changing, you know, and people getting older and younger people right. coming up like the current generation, mm -hmm. Gen Z, they're not having it. They are not having it there. You can't. Exactly. You, they're like, oh, you will not be racist towards people. You will not discriminate. <laughs> and I love that because I'm like, this is where we need to be. It's just that there's still a lot of people around who are boomers and older. I love you, but like you got to turn this mm -hmm. mentality around, man. This makes no sense. Right. And you can't not draft a exactly. guy because he's his he's gay or because she's a lesbian. Like, right. what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> like, with, right. Can, exactly. Can he still perform? Can he still do the job? Right. Like that. And it took it people like him just to have the courage. Yes. Put on the line to say, "Hey, I want to play as my self. Even if that meant sacrificing everything, because with like Michael Sam, Carl Nassib, that's true. Step, and it's it said it's a step, and it's, it's a step. Up to take that step first, that allowed somebody else to take the next step. And it's it's a, it's hard because it's like it's a positive thing, but it's also that person loses their career for the good of the greater uh, movement. And it seems to be that's right. kind of a constant thing in human history is when someone has to, like, essentially die on the sword for the movement. Um, I always feel for that person because, you know, they're um, this is this is different, but the same it was like, you know, these players are making so much money in free agency and football. Yeah, but there is guys who are making no money and they sacrificed fighting the league so that these guys could make 50 million a year. Meanwhile, that guy's getting you nothing, imagine. you know, so. Yeah. Whether it's civil rights, whether it's financial things, there's always going to be a lot of growing pains. But uh, I'm really proud of where actually there's a lot of doom and gloom, but I'm very proud where things are moving because it means that things are moving forward. And, and that's a good thing. And sports, strength, condition, whatever. Listen, it's a performance driven industry. Performance. Mm -hmm. 
other stuff is exactly. outside stuff, performance. And people should, I'm always been a thing, let people be themselves. Let them, let them, because they're going to perform better if they feel they're like themselves. <laughs> I mean, like, that's, that's what psychology is from. That is actually a well-researched phenomenon to say athletes who their authentic and express their authentic show greater levels of performance in every regard. So that's not just any random no. statement. That's a scientific fact. Yeah. And it's like, and it seems obvious. Anecdotally, it's so obvious. You know, when you suppress mm -hmm. something in someone, they're not going to perform at their best level for that. Right. So uh, I'm, I'm a big champion for all these things, uh, you know, whether it's LGBTQ women's rights, uh, you know, minority rights, because it's just what does it have to do with the performance? One, I want people to be themselves. And if we're in a performance industry, it has to be about the performance for that. And just exactly. let people be themselves. Like, what does that have to do with you? Let people be themselves. Myself, being able to and more capable to coach when I can be myself. Yes. You know, like I get to my coaching philosophy, the way that I coach athletes has a little bit of game. Right. You know, and and sometimes, you know, and recently did a workshop actually very topic navigating sport is an open league professional it's about how was that i had to find inspiration that are non-traditional sources because sources that i can relate to as a coach as trying to understand performance in any part you know maybe maybe i can't look up to the typical you know, top level yeah or i can't relate to them on a lot of levels relate to gives me the inspiration can I your mind and coach in their regard and a lot of these sources sometimes end up being non non traditional for example I am not to use references to root oh yeah to help my athletes understand like confidence performance you know athletic capability being able to take strength and conditioning apply to the actual practice that their sport is Throw a reference to a drag queen in there if I have yeah. to, because if that's what the and helps them learn and understand it, I but that's so awesome, man. So good. Big shout out to RuPaul's Drag Race, man. I actually took my daughter to see it in Vegas uh, for her birthday, her twelfth birthday, mm -hmm. and it was that was one of the better shows I've ever seen. Honestly, it was unbelievable. But uh, speaking of that. I have to go pick my daughter up, David. So awesome to speak with you. And uh, I would love for people to know how they can get more of David in their life here. Oh, wonderful. It was great to speak with you. I'm sure anybody who's connected to you will to find me on, on our mutual connections as well. I'm also available on Instagram. I've got two Instagrams. My, my with pride, professional Instagram. Stonewall Performance. Also find on Facebook. On Twitter, it's Stonewall Fit because they wouldn't allow me to get all the levels of performance in there. And then, of course, my website, www.stonewallperformance.com. One of those courses, you'll be able to get in touch. And yeah. Love it. David, thank you so much for giving me some of your time. I know it's later where you're at in the world. So uh, I really appreciate you. Keep being a great representative of being authentic to yourself, man. And uh, we'll be in touch, man.
Thank you. Look forward to